The biggest difference between warranties and insurance is that insurance is meant to cover unexpected events. So the pricing for insurance is really a question of probability or the likelihood that something will happen. Warranties cover events that are somewhat expected or more likely to happen or almost guaranteed to happen. Things like wear and tear, anything that comes with usage. Now, what some savvy retailers have done is actually combine the two and they create these general protection plans, which is basically a reason to keep charging you every month because it is insurance that is partially based on probability and data and statistics and a warranty that's also going to include repairs and other things that happen, you know, that could have been prevented. Welcome to the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Julian. And I'm Kirsten. And today we're talking about how to protect your valuable, also known as expensive, items. Yeah, too soon. (laughs) Too soon. (laughs) I had to go in easy on the topic because this episode was actually inspired by our sweet and precious and just curious little boy, Bo who accidentally broke something of value of ours recently. Yeah, it was um, not a good day. <laughs> I went, <laughs> I mean, I got hot pretty quickly. <laughs> so the story is, and I, and I promise to be brief, I came down into our basement a few weeks ago, and I don't know what made me look at my camera, which happened to be mounted on an iPod. I'm sorry, a, a, a tripod. It was something about, you know, yeah, I don't know what it was. I was. Let me go look at my, I wasn't <laughs> going to use it. I had no right. interest. It's not like, but I just said, you know what? Let me go look at it. And the screen, there's a flip out screen on the back and it was completely shattered. It's made out of glass and it was shattered. And I, I was like confused. I was like, what happened? I don't, obviously, I didn't do it. And, you know, my second thought was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm looking around, like is the door open? Like, you know, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> and then I look over and I see my son playing on the floor, driving his truck, making truck sounds. <laughs> and and I was like, he knocked over my camera. And not only did he knock it over, he knocked it over, stood it back up <laughs> like nothing ever happened. And I know we didn't do it right there in that moment. Which made me think, but when did this happen? Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea. And so I looked at him and I said, Bo, did you break my camera? And he tried to lie. And if you have a four-year-old or five-year-old, it was almost like an ostrich sticking their head in the sand. He, <laughs> he tried to lie and it felt like his first big attempt at lying. And he just couldn't do it. He just like <laughs> hung his head down. Anyway, he broke my camera. Aww. And I was... I was it was high. an accident. It was an accident, yeah. And I, I was, whew, I was so upset. And he knew I was upset, and he kind of ran upstairs yeah. and just hung his head in shame. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we went through that, and you know, earned our parenting stripes on how to be gentle yet firm when mm-hmm. you know your child makes a mistake. But what was interesting was later that night when we were talking about all the times we had broke something valuable when we were younger mm-hmm. and realized that the first time you got in trouble for breaking something as a kid was likely the first time you actually learned what it meant for something to be expensive. Yep. And so we shared this lesson on Instagram and lots of people responded with like vivid yeah, <laughs> memories. Yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Of those moments, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's really interesting for us is how few people saw that as a money lesson. Yeah. And have never really explored how that manifested in their money mindset as an adult. 
especially if there was some shame involved, like there was with my son. If you did the ostrich thing and hit your head or, you know, tried to lie about it, you don't know how that manifests in how you treat expensive items as an adult. Yeah. And for some people, it may, you know, mean nothing and we can laugh about it. But for others, it might have led them to over-insure their items or restrict usage to preserve them for very, very, very special occasions that almost rarely show up. And for others, it might have just led you to avoid buying expensive stuff to begin with. Maybe you're just stuck in in buying the cheapest or freest version of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But the fact that so many people had these memories is an indicator that likely this lesson stuck somewhere. You just have to kind of like excavate it. Yeah. It was a huge aha moment. And and I'm so glad that we are where we are to just look at it from that point of view, because otherwise I would have looked at it and thought like, you know, or just really just obsessed about the fact that my camera's broken and I don't know how much it's going to cost, but like I was having all these feelings. Obviously I was also like a little upset about the fact that like, gosh, this is the first time my son like looked me dead in my eye (laughs) and he tried to lie. He couldn't get away with it. He tried, but he just, he couldn't even muster the words. Um, But it was either way, it was a really, really huge aha moment. It's something that we've spoken about uh, in our video series, Money in the Table. We talk about it um, in our book a little bit. Bit, but like a lot of our early lessons about money really stem from our childhood. Um, I think a lot of people like to think that the first time they're learning about money as adult is the first time that they're really learning about money. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you've been learning about money your entire life. Right. And going back to that conversation, when you break something, the conversation that typically stems from that is around, well, this is what mommy or daddy have to do mm-hmm. when I leave you and I go to I work, work I work hard. And it's like all of that stuff, <laughs> all of that. That pressure and energy goes into helping you understand the concept yes. of expensive and protecting and the your things. Of this item. Yes. Which is, you know, foreign to a child. I started to think about that. I was like, do you know that mommy and daddy, we create content. <laughs> we need this camera to create. This is what pays for the house. And I, was, yeah, I didn't do that. Well. But in my mind, I was like, oh, my gosh. As I was thinking about it, like it was like, this is what people yes. go through. And to your point, it shapes the way that they think about money from a very early age. Yeah. So like we mentioned, we're going to talk about how to protect your valuables. Um, this topic is really broad. So I figured we could just divide our list of expensive or valuable. I'm probably going to use those two terms interchangeably, pick whichever one you like, but we will divide our list of expensive items into these three categories. So the first category is assets that historically appreciate or increase in value, things like your home. Mm -hmm. The second category is items that tend to depreciate with usage, but add a lot of value to your everyday life. So think of these like appliances, electronics, furniture, they go down in value because of wear and tear, but you still use them pretty regularly. And then the third one is just items that are subjective in value. These are things that are valuable to you and maybe a small group of people, other collectors, members of your family. But generally speaking, they're not going to be valuable to like the mass population. Yep. All right. So why don't you kick us off with the items that appreciate and and value? Okay. So the most obvious and accessible way to protect those types of things, obviously, or primarily, I would say we're talking about like your home is through insurance. Uh, And so homeowners insurance, for example, and we we spoke about uh, some ways that you can lower your premiums on auto insurance uh, in the past without necessarily losing coverage back in episode 43 um, when we discussed small habits that have big financial impacts. 
But today, we want to focus a little bit more about like homeowners and renters insurance and also umbrella insurance, which mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people know a lot about. So any homeowner out there, shout out to the homeowners, um, will tell you that things break all the time. Like right. it goes hand in hand. <laughs> it's like, congratulations, you're a homeowner. Everything this is broken, <laughs> is broken and it's up to you to fix it. Um, but most of which, like, insurance doesn't really cover, like, a lot of those things, right? So um, the stories that we're hearing more of are about the things we don't predict, like weather. So last year, um, weather-related disasters cost the United States $145 billion. And that's really where insurance comes in because you can't really predict those things. I mean, obviously, there are seasons for when certain things happen, but like you can never really predict whether or not it's going to create damage or not. And obviously, insurance um, plays a role in helping you be able to um, recover from those kinds of situations. So let's break down exactly what homeowners insurance covers. Generally speaking, it will cover any damage or destruction to your home, the loss or theft of those items, and personal liability if someone else gets hurt. Renter's insurance is similar. It just won't cover the exterior of the building. It's only like your unit and the things that that are inside of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I found an interesting article on marketwatch.com conveniently titled, How Much is Homeowners Insurance? Because that's that's literally what I Googled. (laughs) How much is homeowner's insurance? And I was like, oh, there it is. And the number was like right about what I expected. So according to the 2021 National Association of Insurance Commissioners report, the average cost of homeowner's insurance in the United States is $1,249 per year or $104 per month. So, And I remember... You know, I think when we bought our home in 2018, I was like, it wasn't like this large amount of money. So again, mm-hmm. for those of you who may be on the fence, keep that in mind, even though it, you know, maybe living paycheck to paycheck, it's certainly something to think about. Um, but in terms of ways to minimize your premiums, they offer a couple of things that you should consider. Uh, and one of the big things is uh, home safety devices. And again, this is all stemming from that article. So basically, the more you do to protect your home on your own, mm-hmm. you essentially qualify for um, deductions or lower premiums. So things like fire extinguishers, wind-resistant roofing, indoor sprinkler systems, which makes me think more so of people like who live in like lofts oh, or something okay. like that. Because I was like, I don't know anyone that has an indoor sprinkler system. But fire alarms, burglar alarms, you name it, the more bells and whistles that you spend on your own to minimize damage or theft, you basically qualify for lower premiums if you're looking to um, get home insurance, homeowner's insurance. Um, but discounts are also available, which is kind of expected and very similar to the auto industry with newer homes versus older homes. So you think about an older home, they may have like an older wiring system, which is out of code now. And as a result, there's a greater likelihood for there to be a fire or disaster. And as a result, that has an impact on your premium. So those are just a couple of things to think about if you're in the market for homeowners insurance. And as you've heard us say a hundred times before, when it comes to insurance, it's important to get the right policies at the best price. Right. So this is one of those things that you absolutely want to compare prices to. And remember that you don't have to wait until the end of your policy to change it. If you decide to switch providers in the middle, they're just going to send you a check for the difference Mm -hmm. of what you didn't actually use coverage for. Now, a couple of caveats to what Julian said. A typical homeowner's insurance will include a contents coverage, which is the part of the policy that helps you 
replace your personal property if you experience a total loss. But, and it's a big old but, the cause of the damage or the loss is important. Certain types of damage, let's say flooding, for example, are not included in your standard homeowners and renters insurance. So you need to ask your agent and get a good understanding of what your policy covers and then look into supplemental insurance. Mm -hmm. So if you live in an area that has these, what they call acts of God that are kind of random, <laughs> definitely want to make sure that you look into your policy to make sure that it's covered or get a supplemental version. You also want to make sure that you keep in mind that there is a coverage cap. So expensive items like your jewelry, your art, bikes, cameras, <laughs> they all have a cap on their coverage. And the standard is around $1,000, maybe $1,500. So just be sure to know anything that may be worth more than that and ask for supplemental coverage or a writer on those things if needed, which leads to another important thing to do on a regular basis, which is to document everything. And this is particularly important as you start to upgrade and get nicer things in your home to make sure that the value of that item is documented somewhere. Some people choose to just take photos of their valuables, but another option that may be a little easier, this is one that I got from our friend Joe Saul Sihai, which is kind of to walk through your house and take a video of it like you're on MTV Cribs. Yeah. <laughs> Go through every room, talk about what's in it, and then upload that video and save it wherever you save all of your digital files. The expensive stuff, not Yeah, not expensive. Don't be going through your sock drawers. Like, <laughs> yeah. These are my blue socks. <laughs> and this these I got for my fourth birthday. <laughs> my spelling bee trophy. None of that matters. <laughs> just like your appliances and things like that. And this is great for a couple of reasons. The first is just to make sure that everything's covered. But more importantly, it's about saving time. This goes back to what Julian said about the, the weather disasters. In order to prevent fraud, a lot of the insurance companies require that all of their claimants, including those who have literally lost everything, sit there and document each and every one of their losses in order to get paid. Mm -hmm. So when a crisis hits, especially one that's widespread, affecting a lot of people and may even displace you, the last thing you want to be doing is wasting time trying to remember everything that was in your living room, your media room, your family room. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. So being proactive allows you to submit your claim early and then just get the relief that you need to start rebuilding without having to do a lot of that emotional work. Yeah, I just want to go ahead and apologize for people who won the spelling bee. Like it, it is valuable. I and did. For people who <laughs> felt a bit slighted by <laughs> your mention that it's not valuable, it, it is valuable. Um, I'm a spelling bee winner too. I'm sure, you are. <laughs> um, okay, so we typically um, just getting back on topic real quick. So we typically say a lot of people have like too much coverage. Like when I met Kirsten, she had I all had the all coverage. coverage. <laughs> Everything. <was laughs> the coverage had coverage. <laughs> all the insurance. Um, <laughs> But homeowner's insurance is one of those things where you actually want to do a regular gut check to make sure that you have enough coverage. Right. So those of us who aren't homeowners and have lived in their homes for more than a couple aren't of years. homeowners. Are, yeah. Well, sorry. Those who aren't new homeowners, I should say, um, and have lived in their homes for more than a couple of years may not have noticed like the frenzy in the real estate market now. And the cost of rebuild in a new city is crazy high right now. So you want to keep an eye on the value of your home and make sure that your policy has enough coverage to rebuild so you're not coming out of pocket for that because right. that could be really, really disastrous. Um, so I promised that we would talk a little bit about umbrella insurance. Um, and again, 
no one wants to think about the idea of being sued, but like if someone is injured and your auto or your home policy isn't enough to cover it, like they can sue you for Correct. the difference to make up uh, for whatever your coverage does not cover. Like yes. that's totally up to them. And this is super important, especially with rising healthcare costs. Yeah. So like if someone hurts their back and your coverage is up to $50,000, but their bill is $100,000, the insurance will pay the 50 and then they can sue you for the other 50 because it can. happened in your house or you were liable for it for that injury. Yeah. So if you've never heard of umbrella insurance, um, uh, let's let's break that down a little bit. I like to think of it as a safety net. Uh, so basically, if you have a few insurance policies and we've already kind of given a few examples um, and you've already taken advantage of like having multiple policies or bundling to help lower your premiums or to sort of maximize your coverage. One of the things you can do is like add an additional layer. This is sort of where umbrella insurance or again, like what I'd like to think about or think of as a safety net comes in. Um, and it's really helpful. Like the first time that I actually learned about it was when we were real estate investors. Mm-hmm. We had a property. And again, I'd never really thought about it up until then. But the moment there was someone else living mm-hmm. in on my property and I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, well, what if something happens? And what if someone falls? There were some stairs there. Or what if there's a fire and someone gets hurt? And and like I started having these really like negative thoughts because again these things do happen. Um, this is really where it came in. Granted, you can use it for any of those purposes, um, or even if you aren't a real estate investor. But that's really why I signed up for it and said, you know what, this is really really helpful. Um, the cool thing about it is that it's actually really affordable. Yes. like it's super affordable. And so if you were like me and you were thinking, gosh, I don't want more insurance. I don't want to come out of pocket even more. Like. Don't worry about that. For the most part, umbrella insurance is typically only a couple hundred bucks a year, which amounts to a pretty small monthly payment. Obviously, everyone, state to state, market by market is going to be different. But know this, it is typically very, very affordable, like the cheapest of all the kinds of insurance. And that could be upwards of like a million dollar policy could be like 15 or $20 a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is particularly important if you're a high net worth individual. I'm not saying that people are out to get you, but we do know that American culture is particularly litigious. And so if you look like somebody who can be sued, (laughs) there's a chance that you might be. Um, This is also true if you're a business owner or a real estate investor. There's a number of good reasons to spend the couple hundred dollars on umbrella insurance. Yep. All right. Moving on to the second category, which is items that tend to depreciate with usage but add a lot of value to your everyday life. We touched on this a little bit in the homeowner section and have already recommended, you know, taking out additional insurance policies and bundling, all all that jazz. But there are several instances of damages or loss that happen outside of your home. Mm -hmm. Something like losing your Apple Watch in the middle of the ocean or (laughs) dropping a laptop off of a balcony. These are not specific examples from me personally, but I know people who have done both of those things. Yeah, I remember when my ring almost fell off when I was swimming See? in the uh, in somewhere the Gulf of Thailand yes, or something. And I do have jewelry insurance yes. on our wedding jewelry only. <laughs> but going back to expensive items outside of your home, the most common way, or one of the more common ways to protect them, is through warranties. 
And warranties are like the kissing cousin of insurance policy. Is that an inappropriate term, kissing cousin? It, to the it cousins felt like who it. Are it kissing. felt bad yeah. when I said if it. Some of our <laughs> listeners have kissed their cousins. It's a related I'm sure term. Find it offensive. <laughs> it's a related to term, related term to insurance. Okay. Um, the biggest difference between the two, and I, I had to Google this because I wasn't sure. The biggest difference between warranties and insurance is that insurance is meant to cover unexpected events. So the pricing for insurance is really a question of probability or the likelihood that something will happen. Warranties cover events that are somewhat expected or more likely to happen or almost guaranteed to happen. Things like wear and tear, anything that comes with usage. Now, what some savvy retailers have done is actually combine the two. And they create these general protection plans, which is basically a reason to keep charging you every month because it is insurance that is partially based on probability and data and statistics and a warranty that's also going to include repairs and other things that happen, you know, that could have been prevented. Yeah. So so in general, I'm like not a fan of, <laughs> of warranties. I don't you don't like the phone calls? They're worth the spams? it. Absolutely not. Extended um, oh my gosh, vehicle. don't get me started. Um I'm like I'm of the belief that if you purchased a quality product, you did your research, you, you know, asked around, maybe even tried it out or something like that, then you really shouldn't have to worry about that product breaking unless you're for whatever reason prone to breakage or you live in a home with a curious <laughs> four five-year-old. or five-year-old <laughs> who threatens you this morning like he didn't <laughs> sidebar my son threatened me yeah he was like i'm gonna break your camera yeah that's the new like, comeback i was like shocking and i didn't <laughs> well, even realize come back. you you don't react to well I'm, you're gonna play by yourself now i'm not playing with you yeah that's what i, I said something to that effect like oh, i'm gonna leave i'm gonna go to school without you and he's like oh yeah well i'm gonna break your camera <laughs> wow <laughs> wow and i certainly was like all right well then i'll wait <laughs> take your time because Anyway, um, yeah, warranties in general, like I'm not a big fan of them. And to your point, there are just cheaper ways to have your products covered. One of the most popular ways is uh, typically as an add-on service to a credit card. We're big fans of American Express. We're not like, you know, super fans. My brother is, but, you know. We're, we're not like hardcore fans. We just have the products. We like, we like them. Um, and we use it for personal and business spending. Amex, like most credit cards, have a purchase protection plan. It's like a standard feature add-on for every single one of their cards. Depending on the card that you have, so if you have like a platinum card, safer to assume you're going to have a better protection plan or purchase protection plan than you would if you had a card without a fee or a cheaper card or something like that. Uh, but in general, I believe all of their cards have that. And I'm saying this to say, if you're the type of person who also goes out and gets warranties, you should be mindful of whether or not you are already protected to some degree right. based on the credit card that you use to make that purchase. Mm-hmm. Going back to the camera incident, that was one of the recommendations that a friend of mine um, said to me, but fortunately, I couldn't actually use the purchase protection plan because it had been beyond 90 days, which was the standard uh, period of coverage on my credit card. In addition to that, and again, this is standard, and Kirsten mentioned this, there's going to be a limit to the amount that they will actually cover for that purchase. And so my limit was a thousand dollars and the time period was around 90 days so if Bo had broken my camera 
In this case, because the repair only cost me $250, I actually would have been eligible and I would have simply applied for uh, coverage or reimbursement through American Express. Yes, if he had broken it within the first 90 days. If he'd broken it within the first 90 days of coverage and the repair, as I said, was under Mm -hmm. $1,000. Now, there are some cases, I know I said I'm not a fan of it, um, and we've offered some alternatives, but there are some cases where it makes sense to actually get a warranty, at least according to realsimple.com, that we found an article that was actually pro, dot, 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 in some cases, (laughs) for warranties, and was specifically around tech warranties. And what they're referring to are basically programs like Apple Care. Kirsten mentioned the Apple Watch or, you know, a laptop or things like that. But Apple products, as many people know, are pretty expensive. Like some of the laptops can be upwards of $2,000. And so if you're prone to damage or if you're just concerned about damage and you want to sleep better at night or maybe you're traveling a lot or something like that or you got multiple kids or multiple mm-hmm. curious people who just pets. can't pets whatever it is you may just say you know what it's safer for me to sleep at night knowing that I had this coverage so that when something happens like someone spilling coffee or milk or something on my laptop it's covered so in those cases I think it's less about actually doing the math to figure out whether or not this is um uh, a savvy financial move. And it's really just about trying to sleep better at night without constantly being concerned about whether or not something's going to happen to your Apple Watch or whatever right. it is. Yeah. I will say I did some research because I was a little curious. I was like, how big is this market? Like how oh, many people out there are buying extended warranties? And this is what I found. I'm Look, I am not a statistician, but I did some quick search, and what I found was that in the United States alone, obviously global market is a lot larger, but we're just focused on the United States. The extended warranty business is forty nine is a forty nine billion dollar market. And oh. then I said, all right, well, then how does that compare to the broader, let's say, consumer electronics market? And I found that that market is around one hundred and forty five. Billion. So basically, about a third of that consumer market is really just people saying, I like this product, I want this product, and just in case it breaks, I'm willing to pay you a little bit more money <laughs> to be able to get another one. Or if it, you know, something happens, I want to be able to be here. Wow. Like that's that's shocking to me. $50 billion. Dollars. $50 you billion know what? Dollars that explains just in case. Yeah. It's ripe for disruption. You know, anything yeah. that's in the, in the multiples of billions of dollars, like taxis, healthcare, all that stuff, is yeah. some, some tech app away from being disrupted. Absolutely. But you're spot on about the people who have like a history of breaking things or bad luck. I shouldn't say you have a history of breaking things. People who have a history with bad luck with items. Um, you're definitely speaking from personal uh, <laughs> experience because when I met Kirsten... <laughs> She, her her phone was a health hazard. Me? It was shattered. That's okay. Oh, it still man. worked. I was gonna give the example. That's why of your my thumbs brother. are messed up because <laughs> you've been rubbing it against broken glass for three years. I was gonna give the example of my brother who has terrible luck with tires. For an example, he does. This is not electronic. So clearly, it runs in the family. But go ahead. <laughs> it's to the point where he actually participates in some sort of protection plan at his local tire shop. That allows him to pay a monthly fee and get tires whenever he needs them for like a fraction of the cost. So, yeah, if you are interested in in getting a protection plan or a warranty, just make sure you look around. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a history of destroying items or needing to replace them, you might be better off just taking that $20 a month 
and either putting it in a savings account so that when the time comes to replace it, you can, you know, get another one or just spending the extra coins on cleaning accessories and storage and just general maintenance, you know, making sure that you have somebody or you do it routinely clean out your air filters or clean the gunk out of your charging port on your phone, get the oil changed, all of the stuff that comes with maintaining and improving the longevity of your items is a great use of of time and money. And even though those cases aren't aesthetically pleasing, like you'd be surprised how much, you know, the covers and the cases extend the life of your furniture and your phones and your laptops. You know, you remember the old plastic people used to put on their couches? That's how some people's phones look. With <laughs> yeah. a little baggy plastic. It looks terrible. <laughs> but if that's what you have to do, the more power to you. Um, I will say this, though. I, You know, for our listeners out there, like, and I said, like, I'm not, a, in general, a big fan of warranties. But I will say, don't be so stubborn. And I'm speaking to myself there speaking off myself here and probably to myself to a degree, but don't make a hard and fast rule about never being the type of person who would get an extended warranty because right. I do think that your life and situation could change. For example, going back to the camera, I never thought I would be the person to get it. But after that first experience, I was like, you know what? Considering the value of that uh, electronic, right? Like to me, like there's actually a lot of value in it. Now granted, I'm not going to actually do it, but like as I was thinking about like, Traveling and gosh, I remember not too long ago we did a campaign which required us to go to the park and take a couple of shots. And I just haphazardly like had the camera on um, the tripod, very similar to how I had it downstairs, was ready to go, ready to shoot. And I put it in the trunk. And as we were driving, I realized that I was about to go up a hill, which meant Mm. I was going to have to go down that hill. And then I was going to go on like this really windy road. Like a really windy road. And I was like, oh, it's going to be sloshing around back mm-hmm. there. And I was like, that's a horrible idea. It's not like I was just going down the street and it was all right. flat. And so, you know, I was thinking about just how quickly and how easily just a little bang could ruin a really expensive device. And you may not even notice. Correct. But like in this case, like I did because obviously it was shattered. Uh, but all of that to say, like just, to, you know, your life situation may change. You may be traveling more. You may, you know, have a, to Kirsten's point, like a dog that's moody or something like that. And all of a sudden, like there's greater value in saying, you know what, let me just protect some of these things. <laughs> yeah, let me take the extra time. You know, it's a lot easier to just yeah. do it this way yeah. as opposed to like hoping for the no, best. No, I completely agree. I I remember I used to keep, I used to have all the warranties and I used to do crazy stuff like keep my phone in my back pocket and <laughs> just kind of let it just be out in, in the air and no more. I'm the person who will take the time to put my phone away safely in my purse or somewhere safe. Like, you know, I just, I don't have it out there all loosey goosey. So you say. <laughs> all right. We'll be back uh, to talk more about protecting your valuables after a quick break. All right. The last category uh, to talk about are items that are subjective in value. So these could be family heirlooms, you know, large collections of rare books, a coin collection, old films, Mm -hmm. anything that's unique or rare to you or to a small group of people, a niche group of people. So the biggest tip that I have is to get your items appraised and to get them appraised every couple of years to ensure that you're taking inflation into consideration. Similar to the example that Julian mentioned earlier about building a home and the costs of building homes has gone up. So you want to make sure your homeowner's insurance policy accounts 
for a new build, it's similar to these, right? So if you have a wedding band from 1980 and that was the last time that it was appraised, well, the price of gold is not the same as it was then. So how do you know how much that ring or that asset is worth in today's dollars should you need to replace it? Once you get the item appraised, then you can determine if the value exceeds your other insurance policies or if you need to do something different, like take out a supplemental policy or change the value. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is actually making me think about a documentary that I saw not too long ago. And so I, I may mention this before. I'm a fan of hip hop music. Um, and when I was growing up in New York City, I remember there was a show called Video Music Box. If you're from New York, you definitely, and you grew up around that area, you definitely know Video Music Box. It was the only show where you could actually see and watch like hip hop videos uh, back in the day. Anyway, the host was Ralph McDaniels, and he would basically, gosh, he would go from showing videos to being at parties to being live at concerts. And he wasn't streaming live, but they would record this footage of all of these acts and musicians in their very early ages. Some of these acts and musicians are like mega stars now. And long story short, the documentary revealed that he's the only true historian of what was happening in the 80s and 90s in terms of hip-hop culture, um, and that all of this footage is literally just sitting in tapes like in his basement mm. right now. And he's actually uh, trying to digitize all of this content. He has over 20,000 hours of wow. like early interviews with like you know some of the biggest stars in hip-hop music today while he's trying to get them deals. So all of that to say, right, like... I'm not saying anyone else is just sitting on 20,000 hours of footage, but you may actually be sitting on incredible footage that might actually have value. Again, going back to being in New York City, if you actually have footage of the New York City skyline before September 11th, that's something that might actually be valuable. Mm -hmm. That's something that people may want to use in a film or in a documentary. You may have footage of the first day that an ancestor or something like came off of a ship or something like that. Like whatever it is, like a lot of people who happen to have film, I know I'm obsessing about that in particular, but because I know so many companies, you can sell stock footage today. You can use that as an asset, and there are people who are literally looking specifically for that one thing, and if they can't find it anywhere but on your website, you actually have an opportunity to earn some future income. And so it might be in your best interest to think about your own sort of family heirlooms, whether it's photography or video or VHS tapes or audio interviews of people who experienced something a long, long time ago. All of those things Get them out of the uh, closet, get them out from underneath the bed, out of the attic, and start thinking about where might this be of use. And even if it's not for the purposes of monetization, it could be a museum or something like that. The whole episode is just about protecting things. So to your point, even if it's not like taking out an insurance policy, (laughs) it could be as simple as investing in a fireproof safe or a box just to make sure that those valuables are preserved and protected for future generations. Yep. There is, there's something that this is making me think of as we go through each of these items, which is just like how much it takes to protect valuable Stuff. items. Yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like you're paying for the thing twice yes. or, or three times in perpetuity. Yep. I remember the first time I added up all the payments that I had been making over my car for a 10 year period. Yeah, 10 years, 10 years pay off car. 
<laughs> a 10 year period and realized that I had paid for, you know, I had paid twice the sticker price yep. of that car without even including all of the oil changes, maintenance, tag fees, cost and insurance, mm-hmm. the cost of ownership. So I, I truly don't know how much I've put into this vehicle that gets me from point A to point B. Like, I, I don't know. I know it's a significant amount. And there's probably something to be said about taking all of this into consideration, taking what it takes to protect an asset that you own into consideration as a consumer, and then just becoming more conscious or even more radical as a result. Yeah, and I think that complexity is part of the reason why so many people defer that decision. Right. Uh, And I think that's in part why we're talking about it today. Again, some of this is about making sure that you protect the things that are of value to you, but there are some things that are kind of on the fence. They may just be important to you, and maybe they don't require being protected or something like that, or insurance, but we just wanted to make sure that we talked about the stuff because many of us own the stuff, and we don't really know what to do with it. All right. So final thoughts then. All right. Let's do it. All right. So as I was talking through and giving this episode, my mind just leapt to all the people that I know who purchase all these protection plans for their electronics and for their things, but still don't have a basic estate plan Mm. or life insurance to protect their loved ones and dependents. And I know this is a little bit of a reach, but hang in there with me, people. I know that death or, you know, becoming incapacitated isn't nearly as easy to discuss as a lost wedding ring, but it is so much more important and meaningful. So my final thought is that if you've heard a quick takeaway today that you're eager to act on to protect your stuff, but you haven't created a basic will, ignore everything you just heard and go do that, right? My final thought is do not listen to us. Stop whatever you're doing and head to trustandwill.com or whoever you prefer. Take 10 minutes and handle your business and make sure that the most valuable thing, your life is protected and that your loved ones are are cared for in your passing. Yeah, that's, that's real. Uh, My final thoughts are, you know, we spoke about insurance before and we mentioned how helpful it's been for us in the past to pick one day out of the year where you shop around to see if there are any new savings opportunities or what you may be eligible for. I would say add something to that agenda, right? So add, you know, going in and checking to see if there are any duplicate charges or if you're not necessarily thinking about existing purchase protection plans on credit cards, but also covering it or adding like third, fourth additional layers when it comes to coverage just in case. Don't be so sloppy. Take that time, use that day, assuming you are going to take that advice, add this to the agenda, make sure you're checking and unchecking boxes so that you're not wasting money and that you're actually being savvy about which cars you're using and how you're actually protecting the things that are of value for you. I love it. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. If you like what you heard and want to protect my feelings and my ego, (laughs) you can head on over to the ratings and review page and leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll see you next week. 